All right, so one thing we can't do in life is this right here. I wish we could. In fact, if I had the ability to do this in life and it actually would work, meaning I could bury my head in the sand and all my problems would poof, just go away, I would never get another honeydew list around the house for the rest of my marriage. I'd be a master of burying my head in the sand. But we know we can't live life like that, can we? We can't. We can't live life like that. But here's the thing that we get twisted. See, as humans, we think we're pretty intelligent. And we are. We are. But do you know where the phrase came from? Don't bury your head in the sand. Obviously, it came from the ostrich. But see, most of us are led to believe that the ostrich is burying his head or her head in the sand in order to avoid a predator, thinking, if I don't look at it, therefore it doesn't exist. That's not why an ostrich buries its head in the sand. See, what an ostrich is really doing is burying its eggs in a very safe location. Wouldn't it be nice if we could avoid our problems? Yeah, maybe. But we know that we can't. And I think what we're going to see today is exactly that. Church, this is what people do right here, what you're seeing with God's word. They bury their heads in the sand. I don't like what God's word says, so if I just close my eyes and pretend that it really doesn't say what it says, then it doesn't say it. We cannot bury our heads in the sand. False teachers, those that we've been speaking about here in 2 Peter, this is precisely what they do. All false teachers would rather bury their heads in the sand than face God's truth. And this brings us to our sermon title this morning. The title for our sermon this morning is this, Ignorance Isn't Bliss. Ignorance isn't bliss. And we've heard that. We've heard people say, well, ignorance is bliss. No, I'm here to remind you this morning, encourage you this morning in the notion that ignorance is not bliss. And we're getting this from 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. Last week, we learned that God will rescue the godly prior to judging the wicked. We were encouraged by the fact that those who have faith in Jesus are considered to be godly. And today, we're going to be encouraged to learn how to recognize false teachers. We need to know how to recognize false teaching. Basically, when it comes to God's word... What we're going to see today and be encouraged by today is just this simple sermon title, this notion, this phrase, ignorance isn't bliss. So let's get into this text this morning. Follow along. The verses will be on your screen. Like always, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. 
But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction. Suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing, they count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, revealing in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children forsaking the right way. They have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Amen. When we look at these verses this morning, we put them into this sentence right here. False teachers will pay the price for their ignorance and arrogance. Now that's important for us to know. False teachers will pay the price for their ignorance and arrogance. We need to be comfortable with the notion that that is guaranteed. God has guaranteed that they will pay the price for their ignorance and arrogance. So let's ask this question. What motivates all false teachers? What is their motivation? If they're going to pay this price because of their arrogance and ignorance, what is their motivation? Personal profit. Any form, any shape, any how, any way in which they're profiting in a personal manner. That is always going to be their motivation. Now, as you look at what you're about ready to look at, I'm sure we can all relate to having moments like this. Can you relate to what's going on here? It's amazing, if we think about it, what actually passes through our lips. Now, if you're like me, in hindsight, I always have to go back and come around and say, man, I really need to repent of what I just said. Our tongue is very very powerful. In fact, in the book of James, James refers to our tongue as being a rudder like on a large ship, small rudder, big ship, but the rudder is what guides the ship. Now, there's some of us here, and I get it, you could have a mouthful and you still wouldn't say anything. You might think it, but you don't let it get to the point of actually saying it. However, no matter what side that we find ourselves on, none of us are as good at biting our tongues as the angels are. And we recognize their discipline in verses 11 through 13, as we read right here in 2 Peter. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. Who is verse 11 talking about? When we take a look at verse 11, who is this verse talking about? 
the unrighteous. Those false teachers who the Lord will do what? Keep under punishment until the day of judgment. So what is verse 11 saying? It's saying, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. See, false teachers don't care about a higher power. Go to an AA meeting. Go to an AA meeting. In order to be in the 12 steps program, you have to at least believe in a higher power. It doesn't have to be God, the Father, as we know him as a person within the Trinity, but even those in AA know that they have to believe in a higher power. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because if they've made it that far, they realize that they can't do it on their own. That's why. But look at these false teachers. False teachers preach what they practice. So what do they preach? All false teachers preach the same message. And it's the message of D-I-Y till I D-I-E. D-I-Y till I D-I-E. You, you get it? Do it yourself till I die. I'm going to do my life myself till the day I die. They preach the message that yourself made. No one is self-made. No one. We were created in the image of God. Church, this is anti-gospel rhetoric. Those who think that they're self-made think that they don't need Jesus. It's just that simple. Even against those who are anti-God, even those who are anti-God, even against those who twist and spin the gospel, the angels won't even say a negative thing against them. Do you know why? They know that God's judgment has it covered. They don't need to. God's judgment, quite clearly from verse 11, has it covered. So why would they waste their time blaspheming against those preaching the false message? I don't know about you, and I don't want to speak for you, but I know that I need to keep this in mind the next time I want to go pop off off the mouth myself. God's judgment has everything covered, even those who are attacking the church from the spiritual realm to the material realm. We see why the angels have confidence in verse 12. Because what is it saying? It says irrational animals, creatures of instinct, they're born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are. What does it say? That's right, ignorant. 
Hmm. I guess, after all, ignorance isn't bliss now, is it? Because quite clearly, looking at these first two verses this morning, we know where ignorance leads, and it leads straight to God's judgment. Do you know why? Because of what it says at the end of verse 12, where it says, destroyed in their destruction. Church, they provide the destruction for their own demise. See, this is the thinking of one who thinks that they're self-made. Now, verse 12 is very similar to verse 13 when we look at it this morning. But when it says suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing, and then he goes on to call them blots and blemishes, reveling in deceptions. However, what does it say at the end of verse 13? It says, while they feast with you, while they'll feast with you, false teachers are among us. Now, some of you would say, wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. This is church now. We're in church. How could a false teacher be among us? This is the house of the Lord. False teachers are are among us that's the reason why we have to know the good news of salvation through the person and work of Jesus and what he has done and you can think of this feast as our threefold communion see today false teachers can sit among us in many different ways it doesn't just have to be when we're feasting together let me ask you who do you listen to while you're riding in your car. Because whoever it is that you're listening to, you're inviting them to sit shotgun and get in your ear. Who on television or whatever streaming device do you use at home that you listen to? Because whoever that person is, you've allowed them into your home to sit right next to you to, you know, get into that ear. Was the message you reshared on social media? How about that? Did you, did you fact check that? Because we love living in a society that's just, I mean, come on now. Let, let's face it. This is the, the information age, right? I remember when I was a kid, American Online would send CDs in the mail, and I was enticed to want to join the information superhighway. But yet we still live in a world where we want to fact check things, and people still lie to us. And guess what? They don't even care. So... Whatever it is that you shared on social media that you thought maybe was a pro-gospel message, was it really? Did you investigate? Or do you not know how to investigate? And, and whether you know how or, or don't know how, you're sitting here among us today. And that's a beautiful thing. Because there's one thing that I don't mind being called at some point, And that's being ignorant. Because you can always become unignorant. So keep that in mind this morning because some of us actually feel ignorant to the good news. We don't even know if we can identify finding the good news of Jesus even within the biblical text. So with that being said, do you feel like you could identify a false teacher? If half of the New Testament 
addresses false teaching, are you confident that you could recognize somebody that's preaching a truth to you that's contrary to the cross and what Jesus did? And if that's the case, we're going to be encouraged on how to do that. But first, let's be reminded of our main idea in these verses this morning. And that main idea is this. False teachers will pay the price for their ignorance and for their arrogance. And we're asking the question, what motivates all false teachers? Quite simply, personal profit. Speaking of personal profit, one day this man, legend has it, shall I say, this man called a church, and he got the church secretary on the phone, and the man said, I would like to speak to the head hog at the trough. Probably didn't say it like that, but if my voice wasn't like it was, I'd try to do my best boss hog from Dukes. You guys remember Dukes of Hazard? He said he would like to speak to the head hog at the trough, and the secretary said, excuse me, sir, what did you just say? He replied, and he repeated himself, I would like to speak to the head hog at the trough. The secretary responded, and she said, if you mean you'd like to speak to the pastor, I believe it'd be a little bit more appropriate if you would say, I would like to speak to the pastor, please. See, the man wasn't used to being corrected by others, so he answered back to the lady and said, hey, listen, only thing I wanted to do was donate $25,000 to your church. To whereas the secretary promptly replied, I see the pastor coming in just now. Mr. Headhog of the trough. I, I, I did mess that punchline up, by the way. I, I did. I thought that'd be funny. That wasn't even funny. Man, that wasn't good. This is crazy. You guys got to help me out a little bit here. All right, you know what the point is, what I'm trying to get to? The point was not to make you guys laugh, obviously. Eddie's laughing. Now, the point that I'm, I'm trying to make here, money motivates us, doesn't it? Money will change us. People will tell you what you want to hear. They'll, they'll tell you what, you what you want to hear in your ear, and they'll have another hand in your pocket. And that's exactly what we see with false teachers each and every time. They're always in it for personal gain, for personal profit. There's something that they're getting out of what they are teaching you that probably benefits them in this life. But we are encouraged by what's to come, our life to come, not this life and this life now. And we see exactly this in verses 14 through 16. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children, forsaking the right way. They have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. So how can we recognize false teachers? When you look at these verses, how can we recognize false teachers? I think if we look at verse 
14, we get three indicators. There's three marks of a false teacher from verse 14 alone. So my first question is this. Your first question to me or Pastor Jared or whoever is up here preaching and sharing and teaching in this church should be this. You should ask, how do I observe women? How do I look at women? False teachers observe women through a lustful lens. That's what we're seeing from verse 14. This is probably the hardest to detect, though. Because that's not always going to be easy for you to be able to determine whether that is true or not true. But that should be on your radar. You should watch. What is my attitude towards women? Do I have rules and regulations of engagement with females? out of respect for my wife? If you don't feel like I do, then maybe you move on to the second, which is this. Who is the person surrounded by? Who is the one that's teaching? Who are they surrounded by? That will tell you a lot about that person. See, we know that birds of a feather flock together, correct? So what do you know about others who follow the same teacher? And it doesn't have to just be here. It could be somebody that you listen to on the radio or somebody on TV or somebody on social media. Who is the person posting that? You know the person that's posting the little meme on Facebook, but you don't know the person who's pre preaching and teaching that. So if you know the person who reshared it on social media, that person's attitude in life should tell you a lot about that false teacher. You may not know anything about this teacher, but you might know that person and say, you know what, I'm going to be a little bit reserved in my judgment about this person that they're sharing because I just don't know. And that's okay. That's okay for us to judge spiritual things because we are spiritual people. That's what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Look at the middle of verse 14. What does it say as far as it pertains to who are they surrounded by? What does it say? They entice unsteady souls. See, birds of a feather do flock together, don't they? Well, and if that's true, then it takes one to know one. False teachers are unsteady souls too. They're unsteady. They prey upon those who are weak in God's word. It's like shooting fish in a barrel for them. They're predators. This is easy. Church, if you're not reading God's word, it, it, listen, if you're not reading God's word, then why are you sitting here listening to me? Think about that. If you're not actively pursuing to get to know the Lord by simply reading your Bible, then why would you want to come here and listen to me? There's a reason why we leave these verses up on the screens. It's not a mistake. If you notice, it's the same formula every Sunday here. What are we doing? We put the text up. We read through it at least two or three times. We ask questions of it. We pull out phrases. We define phrases. And we leave verses up. Everything that I'm saying right now is backed up by what's on the screen. We do that every single time, Pastor Jared, every single time. God's word comes first. My opinion means nothing. Nobody cares what I, what I, what I know. 
you, honestly, you, you, you're my family. You're the only ones that care because you know that I know you. And we're going to get to that. God's word is what matters. The third and final thing is this. It's quite simple. It's greed. And we know that, right? We've already discussed that. They're in it for personal profit. There's quite a few millionaire preachers. There are. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with being a millionaire preacher. That, that's not the problem. It's just a matter of if your millions came from preaching or not. Does that make sense? Nothing wrong with being a millionaire preacher. But if you're making millions from your preaching, there could be something wrong with that. I'm not saying it's the case every time. But that's something for us to look out for. So as Mike comes up and we go through verses 15 through 16, we have this awesome example in these two verses to help us back this up. It says this. It says, They have followed the way of Balaam, the, of, um, of Baor, who loved gain from wrongdoing. See, Balaam was an Old Testament prophet who loved money more than God. It was just that simple. He was one in life who was in it for the fortune and the fame. He was a prophet to the highest bidder. That's how he operated. So, so what did God do? And I find this just remarkable. What did God do? He reprimanded him through the mouth of a donkey. Verse 16 is a reminder to us. Do you realize what this is saying? False teaching is so foolish. It is so foolish. Even a speechless donkey can reprimand those who participate in it. That's crazy. God corrected this wrong, put this false prophet in his place through the mouth of a donkey. Church, let me go back and ask you this question again. Do you know the gospel? Do you know the gospel? Do you know the good news? Are you confident about what you know about the good news? Are you? See, it's very obvious that God can use a donkey. It is. We have this historical account in the Bible on two different occasions now where God can quite clearly use a donkey. But here's, here's a little secret I'm going to let you in on. See, when you know the good news, when you know the gospel, guess what? You know that God would rather use you. So if he can rebuke a false prophet through the mouth of a donkey, think about what he can do in your life. He can only do it if we know his truth. We have got to know the good news. Now, that's the reason why we say no, grow, go. See, no, here at Villa's Grace, what we are beginning to establish, which we are not there yet, we are in the beginning stages of putting all of this together. But what we want to know is you. We want you to know us. We want to know each other. But ultimately, we want to know Jesus. We want to know Jesus. We want to know the gospel. We want to be confident. We want to be a church that's confident. That's the reason why in the no category here at Villa's Grace, there will be a class very soon that will teach gospel 
basics. So when you step out of that class, you are going to be confident in what you know about the gospel, which then maybe, just maybe, might lead to baptism. And then we're not done there because we say we want to grow, right? Well, after we know the gospel, then we want to grow in Jesus. We want to learn how to be discipled so we can disciple others. And that's the grow part of what we want to do here at Villa's Grace. But we're not done there. Because discipleship is meant to go. We want to provide an opportunity for you to take a spiritual assessment so you can learn your spiritual gifts and then follow that up with a course on how to teach you how to share your faith based upon your spiritual gifts because the Lord has gifted each and every one of us uniquely and differently to reach the lost for the sake of the gospel. And one of the best things we have going forward in that endeavor in this day and age is that it is statistically proven that there are less and less people going to church, but even worse, there's more and more people who are claiming to be a non. I'm nothing. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in any religion. The field, the field is ready. Are you ready to put your hand to the plow in your own personal life? I mean, it's cool, man. You can, you can continue to allow God to allow the donkey to outshine you. That's your call. But that's our challenge as a group together. Easier said than done. But this is what we want to do. And we are going to do this together, collectively, not individually. So I'm going to ask that question again. Or ask a few questions. Answer these in your head. Do you know the gospel? Are you confident in the good news? Could you define it? Have you been growing recently in your knowledge of the gospel? Are you sharing the good news with others? Is the Lord using you to be a disciple? See, even if you answered yes or no to any of those questions, guess what? We are all in this together. We go forward collectively as a cohesive unit. Amen? Heavenly Father, thank you for your work in our lives, Lord. I just pray that Village Grace can be a church that does that, that shares your good news, that we can see people coming to a saving faith in Jesus. We want to keep it simple, Lord. We want to keep it focused on your good news and what you've done. And we want everything to apply to that. We want to take everything that we, that we see, that we hear, that we taste, that we smell, and, and, and measure it against that absolute truth. That's it. That's all. I pray that you use us to make disciples who make disciples. And we pray all of this because Jesus himself has made this possible. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com. 